0: a world
1: where people actually watch the stuff their friends recommend. This is I'll Look at Yours If You Look at Mine. Welcome, lookers, to another edition of I'll Look at Yours If You Look at Mine. I'll be your host, Ben Mitchell, and you can find me at Redhead Media one on Twitter. Uh, today we'll be discussing and reviewing a movie called Willow, which is currently streaming on Disney+. Plus. I'll be joined today by my distinguished co-hosts, who are likely already talking behind my back, so let's join their conversation already underway. Hiya, gang. Uh, hey. With us today is Jim Scott.
0: Welcome, general listeners and friends. And Kat Ramirez.
2: Hi, I'm a passionate storyteller, interested in reporting nothing but the truth about social and political issues. Just like I'm always real with my friends and family, I'll always keep it real with y'all. Always grateful to be here.
1: We're thankful for that. And Mr. Devin Schwartz, who just got a poke in the arm.
3: Uh, Yeah, I did. Uh, The game is on and I am vaccinated. (laughs) On the path. And last but not least,
1: my good friend, James Pepe. Hello. Um, I just want to
4: say, if you find a baby floating in a river, take it out of the river or it will die. It will just die.
1: (laughs) And never put a baby in the river, despite uh, what many myths will tell you. Yeah, please don't.
3: (laughs) Keep keep babies away from rivers. Just keep them away. he He will not go on to found Rome. He will not become a savior of the world. That's right. So we're obviously talking
1: about Willow, which came out in 1988. And uh, James, not to put you on the spot, but do you have some homework for us—a synopsis and whatnot?
4: Yeah, yeah. You want to jump right in with uh, uh, that? Yeah, sure.
0: This will be graded. Oh, dude.
1: Okay. (laughs) He has to DM after this too. I think. (laughs) (laughs) Um. So, uh,
4: this yeah. So this is the Willow movie from. 1988 um starring starring warwick davis who although gets third billing i think in the credits ouch <laughs> yeah yeah um and uh also starring val kilmer and val is short for valentine i have to assume i think i don't know if that's true or not i'm just guessing
1: okay i thought um, you were like legit <laughs> saying that I was like really No, that is no. A I, fun I, fact
4: i was thinking to myself what could val be short for if not valentine
1: well let's start that rumor anyway yeah no you heard it here first definitely canon now yeah
4: and i think the person who was also had top billing was joanne wally or Whaley. but i don't i didn't recognize her i don't know her i don't know what else she's been in
1: is she the good witch there or is she the uh love interest she's the love
4: interest yeah
1: okay Huh. that's a head scratcher i would have thought Val kilmer would be the the would have been the one that got the top billing
4: yeah oh no he got the top billing she got second billing and warwick davis got third billing which yeah um seems like an injustice (laughs) right um anyway uh i guess a little sort of some information about this movie um i guess a lot so like ILM did all the effects for this, and that was one of the highlights of the movie. um And it sort of it shows that they did it. And I guess that that one sequence in particular, where Willow is fighting that like brazier or something, some sort of like thing that gets shot with magic. And I think it's a life.
1: brazier. Yeah, well done. Yeah, yeah,
4: yeah, that's like a sort of singled out as a very impressive piece of stuff, and it is. I mean, like it's. It looked great. I yeah, mean, stop it's motion probably can Will
1: Tippett, um, who split off at some point uh, from ILM, and he came up with what was called go motion, not stop motion. Just a little tidbit. Um, I, I worked with some of the, the, his people in, in college who were professors of mine, and uh, his big contribution was that he was able to get motion blur into the motion, which sold it uh, as a lot more realistic at the time. Instead of just like a nice, clean still image, he would get the blur in, and then all of a sudden it looks like realistic movement. Yeah,
3: there's there's stuff today that doesn't get that right. that's what everybody
4: turns (laughs) off when they get their new TVs immediately, is motion blur. No one wants to see that shit anymore. (laughs) But on our stop motion, we must have it. Yep, gotta have it. Anyway, so I have a a lengthy synopsis here, so I'm going to just go through it. You guys can stop me when you want to when we get Stop to the me you, the movie, you want. Yeah, when we get to the parts of the movie
1: that you want to talk about. Yeah, you can give us the good stuff version or whatever.
4: <laughs> yeah. So, so this movie starts out with some um, text on the screen, as all good movies do, telling us what's up. Um, it tells us that there is a prophecy um, about a baby being born that's going to depose or do something to the evil queen, uh, Bavmorda? Um, Mm -hmm. and so she has, um, tried to head this off at the past by imprisoning, uh, not only like in a cave, but then also in a cage, she like took the cages, put them in a cave, put all the pregnant ladies. Sure.
1: The old cave in a cage. cage.
4: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, just to make sure that they were extra, I mean, they're pregnant ladies. Where are they going to, they're not going to get away once you have them either way. Um, yeah so women in cages they have a baby the baby has a mark on its arm that looks like it was drawn on with a sharpie i think that's probably what happened um this baby gets smuggled out of the cage the cave cage jail uh the queen the evil queen somehow knows about this and then there is a montage of the baby getting a little bit older and then as we said the woman uh weaves i guess makes a basket and puts the baby in it and puts that basket in a river like uh like moses uh the woman is then like unceremoniously killed by a pack of monstrous dogs just immediately after this
1: yeah they loved uh dressing up dogs with like uh costumes back then
3: yeah basically putting up putting a park you don't don't see that very (laughs) often just like
4: putting it yeah, it's just it's obviously like something that they like flop over these dogs. Really, like flopped over <laughs> is a good way to put it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so then this this woman is killed. Uh, the baby is then uh, floats down the river and is found by Warwick Davis, whose name is Will. He's the star of the movie. And as we come to see that these are, uh, I guess, a separate race of people called the Nelwyn. They're like mm-hmm. small.
1: They're like elves or something. I mean, did George Lucas have kind of a hobbit envy when he was writing this or? Oh, yeah. Well,
4: this movie has like 15 different movies in it. So That's true. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of Tolkien in this. There's a lot of like Indiana Jones and Star Wars and all the Lucas stuff in this um willow uh or i guess willow's kids find the baby and then get willow to like come look at it and willow goes and sees it and is like no we can't take this baby we have to send him on send her on its way down the river
1: the refusal Um, of the call
4: right to certain death we have to send her on
1: he goes by Uh, the book on joseph campbell's uh stuff
0: oh yeah right
1: yeah 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 um, but then, um,
4: uh, Willow's wife, um, Kaya finds the baby and she is the voice of reason and that we shouldn't let this baby drown to death and they take it out of the river. Um, Willow, then Willow and their the, his kids, they go to a, um, like a festival that they're having. We find out that Willow does like a, does like a magic show, like a,
3: He's like like an illusionist.
4: Yeah, 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 like stage stage magic. magic. He makes a pig disappear, and he does, he juggles, I think, in other things. Um, But really, he's hoping to be apprenticed to the real wizard who does real
1: magic. Um, But... um, Yeah, when you have real magic, why would you go see, like, an illusionist? Other than to set up a plot thing that pays off later.
4: (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. Maybe the real magicians can't be bothered
1: to make pigs disappear, but like they can literally transform things and make things disappear.
4: <laughs> yeah. So, so there's a lot. There's a number of, of of wizard apprentice hopefuls. The the wizard comes out and asks them some very sort of like arcane question, like which, which uh, with which finger do you rule the world or something, and he holds up his hand and. They all point to his fingers. They all choose wrong, um, and it seems as though Willow is not meant to be uh, apprentice to the wizard. Um, more monster dogs come and attack their festival. Um, the uh, the Nelwyn, the the like elf people, uh, they like stab a bunch of these dogs to death with spears, um, and they somehow are able to like figure out that the dogs were looking for someone of like larger stature than them like a person a duckini yeah yeah right yeah so somehow they know i i didn't i didn't see what it was but somehow they knew from like examining the dogs that they were looking for a Uh,
3: it was, uh, they tore apart a cradle. They were looking, they knew it was looking for a baby specifically because they like ripped apart an empty cradle, I think is what it was. Oh, okay. All right. Well, that's yeah, true. That so tracks. everyone was like, oh, they're looking for a baby. So it's got to be this new baby. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
4: Um. So yeah, so they kill the dogs. Um, Willow hears that they're looking for this baby. Um, and so he runs home to make sure his new baby is safe, uh, which she is. And they, uh, because they now see that someone is looking for this baby, they decide to bring it to the, the baby, to the, to the council of elders or something to find out what they do with the baby. Um, so that's what they do. Um, the wizard character, the, the one that Willow was trying to apprentice with, um, like has a little jug and like does some augury with like bones And he tells Willow that he doesn't, he's not really reading the bones, that he's not like really doing any magic. Um, But he asks him like whether he loves the baby or not and like wants to take care of him. And Willow says yes, uh, hesitantly says yes. And then the wizard um, basically sets Willow on his quest um, and they, they make a fellowship of the baby to
1: take the baby somewhere. Um, Yeah, exactly. They set out (laughs) on the path, pick up a few people on the way. That's probably good enough. Um,
4: Yeah. and And the wizard, the wizard tells Willow to believe in himself and the magic is inside him and
1: stuff like that. And they pick up a rabble of people along the way, including Val Kilmer. And, uh, what's the, what's one of the, the Brownies names, uh, you have that um, on hand
0: Frangine and Rule
1: Yeah, yeah,
4: Frangine and Rule, right? Or Rule, something Oh, I mean Ruhl. that
1: one of the actors is uh Oh, yeah, um, yeah. is a name. Yeah, um
3: I thought one of them was Kevin John Pollock. Belushi. Kevin, <laughs> Kevin <laughs> <Pollock>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm. One of them kind of looked like John Belushi to that me. That was I, Kevin I Pollak. <laughs> yeah, okay.
4: <laughs> He's got a Belushi-esque face, Scott. I guess. So, right, yeah, Kevin Pollack is like,
3: I, I knew I recognized them.
1: I was just, yeah, I was crossing. Some I can't leads. think of what else he's been in, but I guess I can look it up. But yeah, I mean, that's probably enough synopsis for, for the time being. But um, they go on an epic quest and pick up some some friends along the way, right? And yeah, a wizard. Yeah. And uh, there's a star-crossed lover story where the daughter of the sorceress ends up. Uh falling for Val Kilmer and vice versa after initially hating each other, which kind of reminded me of uh what he did with uh, Star Wars with Han and and Leia. Yep. but uh did it did it win any awards? It must have won like visual effects thing you know i don't I don't think it did, really. I remember them making a huge deal about how groundbreaking the effects were.
3: Uh, it won at the Academy of Science Fiction, Fantasy and Horror Films, USA. It won looks like best costume and was nominated for a bunch of stuff, awesome. and it got nominated for two Oscars for best effects. Oh, it got nominated. Yeah, I got nominated for best effects, oh, visual yeah. okay. and sound effects at the Oscars. Oh yeah, Ben Burt,
1: yeah, uh, best uh, sound effects. Yeah, Ben Burtt. Um, he did. He was the sound guy for forever for all of Lucasfilm stuff. Uh, should we guess who? who I wonder this? who actually won that year. Yeah. Um, let's uh, let's take our guesses. Uh, let's do it in the same way that I did last time, where I read from left to right. So, Jim Scott, what's your guess? Who uh, submitted this one?
0: Um, my guess is Devin. He likes uh, more lighthearted type movies, and this definitely was that.
1: So my guess would be Devin. Yeah, I was also going to guess Devin.
2: <clears throat> um, I'm having a hard time with this one. Uh, I think I was going to say Devin initially, but I think it's actually might be Ben. Maybe. I don't know. I'm I'm having a hard time with this one. I'm gonna I'm gonna lock it down with Ben. I
1: did I did see this in theaters in 1988, so that's not a not not a terrible guess. We'll see.
3: A quick update: the other big film that came out that year was Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Oh, no which no won Visual and sound effects. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. going up against that. Come on. Yeah. Uh, but my guess, uh, I, this has got Jim written all over it for sure.
4: You know, I, that's that was that's my guess too i think i think this is a gym movie it's it's just so classic like fantasy
1: oh um, we lost jim
3: oh <laughs> <laughs> we just found out he was he down.
1: <laughs> they're on to me <laughs> uh, um, okay yeah we're pretty split then so will the uh perpetrator fess up then who 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 submitted this one
0: um i'm, I'm sorry before the perpetrator um I kind of got bounced and then bounced back. Sorry. Sorry about that. So what were all the votes?
1: I guessed Devin, you guessed Devin, Kat yep. guessed me, Devin guessed you, and Pepe guessed you.
0: Okay. Uh, well, will the real perpetrator please stand up? It was me.
1: Yeah. Uh, uh, okay. Well, for me, I was wrong, so let me give the... Uh... I'll just do this once. Two of us were, no. Yeah, two of us were wrong. Uh, That's wrong, yeah. (laughs) Price is wrong. But, uh, Pepe and Devin, you were on on to Jim on that one. I remember Jim saying that you, what threw me off was that you said you were a horror guy. So I I thought for sure it was going to be like a horror movie for you but uh, now that i now that i mentioned it, i think you did mention that you like fantasy movies and stuff so so jim why did you choose willow and had you seen it before is it one of your favorite movies or something uh what what landed that on your radar
0: uh sure sure do you want the longer the shorter it?
1: we probably considering what we started a little bit late let's let's hear the concise version
0: Sure. Um, So it's not one of my favorite movies, but it's a much loved, nostalgic movie. Um, I've always been a very imaginative type, you know, when I was growing up, you know, I would have a lot of fun playing with my friends. We go play in the creek or whatever, but then I love to daydream and read books. And this is even before um, Finding Dungeons and Dragons. So when it came to movies, I was searching for movies that had the fantasy theme, right? And there was uh, quite a few in the 80s, you know, from B movies, like Beastmaster, Stalker, those kind of things, Conan, uh, Kroll, you know, that whole genre of movies, I ate that up. If they played on Saturday, you know, Saturday afternoon on TBS, I was there. <laughs> um, and, and Willow fit that ticket. Um, it came out in 88. So I would have been 13, um, yeah, thir- about 13, roughly, um, during that time and, um, it was, I just fell in love. I don't remember now if i seen it first at the movie theater and then later on on VHS. I can't remember like the exact details, but I know I'd watch it over and over again to the point that there was some friends of mine and we played Willow the board game where you could play General Kale, Sorsha, Willow, Brand Junior Rule. You moved across the board. Uh, you went into uh, places like Tyra collected uh, magic items. Um, there was a love potion that you could make Sorsha come over to your side. Obviously, there was the evil and good against each other. And it was a lot of fun. And we spent a lot of hours playing that board game. So in essence, Willow um, bit that ticket. and But I hadn't seen it in such a long time. Because it's not on the streaming devices easily. Disney Plus was just a recent, you know, uh, addition to the streaming wars. And so I figured if I haven't seen it in such a long time, neither have any of you. So Yeah, I haven't.
1: And uh, you, have, you made a good point. Like, Disney opened up the vault and just unleashed yep. on the streaming platform. So all those old movies. Uh, I, I just watched The Journey of Natty Gan, which I hadn't seen Probably in at least a decade or more. Probably at least two decades. So all these old Disney films and the stuff that has come under their banner recently have been been out there, which is nice.
0: Sure, I had no idea ben about Nobs the board game sticks. So, oh, sorry. Yeah,
1: sure. No, no, not at all. Um, I had no idea about that. There was a board game, though. That's pretty interesting. There was an NES game too, right? Was there really? Yeah, I think so. So Willer was like bigger than I'm remembering. But I'm glad to hear that it was part of your sort of tapestry and a a big part of uh, your uh, fantasy background. I'd say it was in mine as well. And all those movies from the 80s, yeah, that was totally in vogue back then. And I kind of miss it. I kind of miss the analog approach, to be honest. This is such a classic example of a movie from that era too, which is like
4: it would never get a PG rating anymore, I feel like. (laughs) There's just stuff in it that's like, there's like some gore in it not like a lot but like there's some of it in there and like just some weird yeah just weird stuff that you wouldn't
3: put in was this movies anymore yeah i think i think the scene of that that troll dying would probably get it a fucking pg-13 at least just just that that was visceral (laughs) does anyone
1: remember when they invented the pg-13 rating i know it was for a spielberg film or at least that's my recollection oh you know was was it for indiana jones It's for something like that. uh, I'd have to look it up now. They invented it for one of his movies. It might have been Indiana Jones. Um, So it's probably before this. But I remember back in the 80s, you could get away with it. Oh, it was Red Dawn.
3: 1984. 1984, Red Dawn got it. First one. Oh, man. I would have pegged that as an R.
0: Me too. I thought it originally started as R.
1: Interesting. Quick on the look up there, Devin. Thank you. Yeah. yeah so that the 80s yeah i miss that kind of like analog fantasy stuff i still like re those every once in a while so it's kind of nice that a lot of those are available again um i noticed that like, the monsters definitely had that like star wars feel to them especially the, when that uh the troll since we brought it up morphed into that kind of two-headed dragon thing that I thing it was, was so dragon. cool yeah like a yeah. hydra or something I was waiting for a Jedi to pop out and just like cut its head off with a lightsaber, you know, it just looked so star Wars.
3: Yeah. They did a good job too. Of the same thing they do with star Wars of like making it very like wet whenever anyone wants to stab and do it. I remember the scene when Valkyrie mounts it and stabs it, it's so ben wet. Bird. And it's like, you expect it to just be, you expect it to just be like, you know, paper mache, you just hollow inside, but no, they, they get it. So slushy. Ben
1: bird is actually the sound designer that came up with the lightsaber sounds and the blaster sounds and all the sounds from star Wars. So, you have him to thank for that and so we had uh, a good person on the sound for this has everyone had everyone seen this before or or is this new to anyone
3: i had not i I had like vaguely heard of it and again like some scenes kind of seemed familiar but it's like maybe i watched it when i was a kid on like vhs or something but uh, I, i definitely did not remember most of it
2: I wouldn't discount not seeing it maybe when I was very, very young, but I don't, if I did, I don't remember it at all. So for me, it was very much like the first time I'd seen this movie. So yeah.
0: Yes, that's what I was hoping for. I was hoping that there was at least a few of us that had not seen it before.
4: Awesome. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. I can't remember if, even after having watched it now, I can't remember if I'd seen it before. There are parts of it that are like super familiar and parts of it that aren't. And I just can't remember.
1: For me, I definitely watched it. Obviously, I saw it in the theater, but uh, it had been long enough to where uh, it, a lot of it I didn't remember, and a lot of it was kind of felt new to me in the rewatching of it. So it actually surprised me in that aspect. I was like, "Oh yeah, I, I don't remember this at all. I have no relic- recollection of this." There, there were parts I, I remembered, but uh, but uh, it was nice to to see again, uh, and. Uh, I also wouldn't put it in like one of my top movies ever, but it was definitely an important movie at the time. And I remember like they even went so far as to have a TV special about specifically about the visual effects where, uh, what's, what's the, uh, good witches or, uh, or sorceress's, uh, name. Does anyone recall that offhand? Oh,
3: I don't. Let, let me uh, look it up. Uh, Rizal. Rizal, Rizal was, the, was the, was the, was the one that was, uh, an yeah. animal.
1: Yeah, yeah. Roselle, when she when and Willow is is kind of transforming her through the sequence of the different animals, they invented a new they they did have a little bit of digital effects starting in with that and it was a big deal at the time and they call it polymorphic tweening and they invent and they invented <laughs> I don't know if they invented it for this but this was the first major time they used it in an effect sequence like that. And I remember just being absolutely yeah. fascinated by how it, they were able to get these animals to because you know before that they'd have to like you know like if someone changed into a wolf man they would have to like show a certain stage and then cut away and then cut back <laughs> you know they just couldn't do it so uh this was a big leap forward and then of course only a few years later we from this uh four years later we had uh, Jurassic Park so obviously the technology just bound ahead
3: yeah, that scene where, particularly from uh, when she goes from goat to ostrich, that one like blew me away. It was so wild, the way it's like neck shot up out of its body. It was like kind of terrifying, but it really held cool. Held pretty well, honestly. Yeah.
1: So what? What with you guys um, having or just seen it like kind of newer to you three? Um, what did you think? Um, are you in the mostly um, positive camp, or did you enjoy it?
2: So. I guess what I, what I'm thinking about is obviously it, it's an older movie. So like, I know that it's not going to be in today's terms, the same kind of you know, like script writing and um, effects, all those things. Like I obviously can take that into consideration, but one of my favorite films as a kid was the princess bride. And that was released, I think a year before this movie was. And I, In comparison, for me, and I understand the cinematic uh, importance of this movie, um, and obviously there's a there's a lot of big names to this movie, but I like the Princess Bride was so much better as far as like a storyline and acting and dialogue. Like for me, as a story, it just was a better better watch. um, Even like in today's terms, than watching Willow. So that's where I'm coming from. It
1: aged better. I think it's less reliant on effects and stuff as well. And it was more reliant. That might be part of it. Right. Yeah.
3: Yeah. I I agree. I I think that I definitely like get a very quaint sense from this film. It's a very like pleasant film to watch. And I, I like, I can appreciate that if I had nostalgia for it, it would be like, you know, like a top film for me, but because of that, that lack of nostalgia, the the lack of those rose tinted uh, glasses, um it did it was a little awkward there were some kind of eye rolly tropey things that uh you know like you can suspend your disbelief for so long but that at some point you're like like why is this woman changing sides for instance like what actual reason does this woman have to to fall in love with this complete asshole who she knows was only like making moves at her because he was trying to trick her and like i don't know there's some like really weird like jumps in logic um but yeah, I mean, I think it looked incredible. The the even aside from the effects, the set design and the costumes and everything, like it looked amazing. Um, did not look like an old film, you know, except for those those some effect shots that were a little janky. But yeah, I, I, I overall I enjoyed it. It was enjoyable. some
1: of that it was entertaining
2: did, without a doubt.
1: Some of that Sorry. did push through for me, even even being nostalgic. Like, and it usually ended up being something about the writing. So, uh, George Lucas, uh, yeah. I think he co-wrote it or came up with the story and then someone did the script or something.
3: Yeah. He's credited for story. And then there's someone else who wrote the screenplay. I think he wrote some Um, novels too, if I'm not mistaken. Hmm.
1: Jim's nodding. Yeah.
3: Another George,
1: George Lucas (laughs) or the, or uh, the guy
4: who did the screenplay.
1: I think I, well, I heard, I think that George Lucas wrote some novels and I think he might actually be doing either a TV show or a sequel or something like that might be in the works.
3: I was going to mention that, yeah, there is another there's a TV show coming out that uh, casts the main guy, the guy who plays Willow. I can't remember his name. Uh, He is still reprising his role, but I looked at the cast. None of the other characters, uh, I don't think are returning. So it's just Willow. Oh,
4: one thing we didn't mention was that this was directed by Ron Howard.
3: (laughs) Yeah. Another Ah, big name.
4: There's
1: a lot of big names in this movie. And he was big already because he had done like Cocoon and stuff. So he was already well-established
3: as a a-list director at this time
1: yeah this was a, a tentpole yeah movie. i don't know this if it, was not a little
3: little film yeah it doesn't feel like a ron howard film to me i don't know i didn't get that vibe from it um but uh yeah that, that did surprise me when i saw that
1: so was there any uh part that you can recall off the top of your head either anyone can take this that like just kind of didn't work or either like aged out or was just like problematic for you
2: Oh, well, I mean, like what you guys were saying earlier. Like, it would not pass as a PG movie in today's terms. Uh, there's like, I remember that one scene where the I forget, what's his name, uh, Mad Max, or what's his name,
4: Mad uh, Mad Martin. Mad Mad, Ma- Ma- Mad, Mad Mar- 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 which, yeah. which is one word. That's a name. It's not but, Mad Martin.
1: Some on not noticed Max, that they did oh, the pregnant women uh, hostage in the in the new one, right? So.
2: Oh, yeah, it's true. It's yeah. true. Um, but Three when line. he's dressed as a woman and the guy, there's like a drunk guy who goes and grabs her, his well, fake breasts, but like scenes like that, obviously, like in today's terms, uh, would not be qualified as a PG movie, like for sure. Um, so this like, is first I, thing
4: he does too, he just walks right up to uh, her and grabs her, like,
2: okay?
3: <laughs> yeah, it's like, this is my cousin, he's like, oh, okay, breasts, <laughs> yeah.
2: Um, so like. It's outdated in those terms for sure. And then like what Devin was also saying about how certain things just didn't really make sense. I feel like within the script writing, like it just felt like certain things were rushed and certain dynamics and relationships were rushed. So even like when Willow, he's like, forget about it. Like (laughs) pretend you never saw this baby. Just let it go down the stream. And then like within a few scenes later, the wizard's like, do you love this child? And he's like, yes, I love this child. And it's like, you you were My wife told me to. <laughs> yeah, you were fine, you know, having this child, you know, forgetting about this child and letting it go. And now you love it. It just, it, it had some of those instances. Yeah.
3: Another thing that stuck out at me along that same line is um, when he uh, so like he tells the wife, like, we should take the baby to the village council. And she's like, absolutely not. We can't take it to the village council. And then the, the city gets attacked. The wife is at home when the city is attacked. She has no idea the attack is happening. He comes rushing in, all worried about her. from her perspective she's just taking care of the baby husband rushes in and says are you okay and she's like i'm fine and then he's like okay we have to take the baby to the council and she's like okay sounds good and it's like wait she doesn't know the context she doesn't know anything that just happened she has no reason to have changed her mind um and then like the entire quest is very like poorly explained like why does this witch queen have to kill the baby in a ritual why can't it just be killed like if the baby's dead how is it going to overthrow her and she mentioned something about it's like spirit living on. Yeah, she how about it it. Was like, I like just one one scene where they explain that in detail would be nice. I have two things that stuck out for me.
1: One was when Val Kilmer was creeping on the sleeping lady. Um, that was a little oh, weird. Yeah, that was very uncomfortable. Um, and then when when Willow gets back, like nobody knows what he was doing or what he was up to, but they all celebrate it like they were there yeah. the whole damn time. Like. For all they know, he just, like, you know, was gone for a month or two and then came back, but they celebrate it like, hey, nice job. Yeah. Like, there was
4: is, there is one part um, in the movie where towards the end where, like, they're getting ready to, like, storm that evil castle, which looked awesome, by the way, that, like, the bad evil yeah. castle looks so cool. And he's like, he's, like, doing that soul-searching thing. He doesn't know if he has the courage. And then he, like, looks down and, like, feels the, like, massive chunk of hair that his wife gave to him before he left <laughs> oh my I god right like, that is disgusting oh my god <laughs> right it, it was horrible that was but a lot of hair does, she doesn't she gives him his her whole hair She's just here but to it. her she was he was only supposed to be gone for like a day <laughs> I, yeah, right. Yeah. But then, so she gives it to him. You remember the store to get some milk. Here's you, my hair. You don't. You don't see it again. It's not like he's always like worrying this braid of hair that he has. For, and then it just like shows up again. And you're just like, oh god, I forgot about that thing. It's horrible.
1: No, I do remember
0: being is, like oh, the life, hair. Right? Yeah.
1: So yeah. J- Jim, yeah. did anything that... come out for you again on uh further viewing since you haven't seen it for a while? That was like, huh? That's something I didn't pick up on when I was younger or whatever.
0: Um, yeah, yeah. Um I I feel like so what was mentioned earlier in the episode as Tolkien-esque, you know? And there has definitely been a few bad actors that have wrote books or done movies that were like, No, I didn't receive no influence from Tolkien, none whatsoever. Um, and uh shame on them, right? And I don't think it's necessarily a problem to take inspiration from tropes. And Tolkien has given a lot of inspiration. And I don't think that this movie disguises that. I think that this movie embraces that. And uh, let me give you just a few examples. I know you guys have picked this out as well. But um, obviously the Elwynn village is the Shire, you know. Right. And uh, Warwick, Warwick Davis, his family and the, the village are the hobbits. Right. And then just pulling kind of Joseph Campbell in with this kind of homage as well, if I could. Mm-hmm. Um, Willow is the unlikely hero, you, you you know, and I think that's demonstrated by the fact that, you know, just let that baby just float down the river. And I feel like the scene, I don't know, I saw it a little differently. If I can also, I'm pulling a lot of different weaves here. So mm-hmm. um, I'll try to make it as concise as possible. But at the point where he says, Yes, I love the child, um, in that scene, uh, watching it this time, he hesitated before he answered. And I think that the wizard asking him that question. hesitation was searching you know how do i feel um and yeah it seemed like a short uh time chronologically like how could you go from zero to a hundred but i think uh in searching he he did you know i feel like that was genuine but anyways he was an unlikely hero and his friend migosh was the faithful companion right he was the samwise Um, And I thought it was interesting that when they got to that crossroads with the crow cages, that the faithful companion stayed with him the longest, but Willow convinced him to go back home. So Willow loses his faithful companion, you know. Um, And I thought that was a very interesting part of the story. And none of this I picked up in junior high and high school. I hadn't heard of Joseph Campbell. Yeah, me neither. You know, didn't I did notice to, that, too. Him, so
1: the Samwise character, Migosh, ended up leaving and not going with him. I, I yeah. noticed that as well, because, of course, I'm making those parallels now. And of course, uh, The Hobbit and uh, Lord of the Rings is much, much well, uh, more well known now in, in pop culture. So, of course, sure. people are going to make those those uh, comparisons now. Right. Sure. So, well, the whole, so this, I mean, the oh, whole
4: ahead. first part of this, the whole first part of the movie when they leave their home is like lifted straight from Lord of the Rings, right? Because the first thing that happens when uh, Frodo and the Hobbits have the ring and they leave the Shire is the Ringwraiths come and they look for them and they hide, right? And that yep. exact same thing happens in this movie too, and then it'll it'll uh, of course happens in the Lord of the Rings movie, and yeah, it's just like the exact same thing happens. It's it's Yeah, (laughs) they're not hiding it.
0: Yeah,
1: that's why I said, did he have like kind of Hobbit envy or whatever? I I kind of said it in a derogatory fashion, maybe. But um, of course, he was like paying homage to it. Right. But um, uh, basically, uh, they changed the MacGuffin. Right. He changed it from a ring to a, a, a baby, which is, you know. It's fine. You pull from different myths and kind of uh, create a hodgepodge, something, and, and what's old is new, right? They did take the story in a bunch of new directions, I think, as well. And uh, so, any standout moments uh, uh, for you guys that were very positive, that rated, uh, that, that kind of stuck, stuck in your craw, that were like kind of cool moments?
3: Yeah, there was one moment that made me like actually laugh out loud. There were, there were two things that made me kind of like chuckle. One, one made me laugh a little harder. Uh, when the uh, wizard throws the like rock up in the air and it turns into a bird and he's like, this bird will guide you. And then it flies back towards the village and he's like, ignore the bird. But, like I laughed <laughs> at that. And then the scene where uh, they're in the bar and uh, the, 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 uh forgot her name now, the woman, the, the daughter of the queen uh pulls off the the val kilmer's shawl and reveals that he's a man and then the guy gets all mad and he's just like gentlemen meet luck and he like ducks i don't know that that really got me for some reason his delivery there was great val kilmer did like a he was very casual with this whole film which like at some points came across as him kind of not really trying but then at other times worked really well for the character so it kind of went back and forth but there were some moments that i I think think he he was a
1: standout character and you could see definitely see his star rising in this one um well, he he had been in Top Gun before this too. So he was he was already established as well. Um, but yeah, so for you some comedic moments stood out. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Anyone else want to sound off on that before I mention some stuff?
2: I guess to follow Devin, I really enjoyed the the evil and the good witch fighting at the scene because to see some old white woman actually throwing punches was very interesting, <laughs> and was not expecting <laughs> that. And um, so I, I really appreciated that scene, uh, maybe not for the right reasons, it's, but I, I I definitely found it. Uh, no, I love that.
1: I forgot that she kind of like yeah, it's f- <laughs> fights dirty or not not dirty, but she goes to the mat with Baph Morda.
3: <laughs> that, yeah, that was, that it's was funny cool. because like a. Uh, uh, a common criticism now of like Marvel movies is that like, or like superhero movies in general is like these really powerful beings always like, it always boils down to a fist fight at the end. And it's funny that this movie made, you know, fucking 20 years before any Marvel movie would ever get made. The exact same thing happens. These two powerful witches and they just start punching each other. It's great. It did not happen in Lord
1: of the Rings either between, if you think of the wizard duel between uh, Gandalf and Saruman. Oh yeah. They settled that with the stabs, I believe. Never got to fisticuffs
3: <laughs> I would pay to see that
4: i mean some of the some of the parts that stood out for me was the um everything that happened like in the um the castle that they were going to, like with that big dragon monster that stuff was so cool looking um, and the yeah, i guess the i guess it was just the it was the the effects like watching those animals morph was like weirdly grotesque and cool um and uh the design of the like evil castle the evil hold or whatever you want to call it the outside the walls and then the inside too all that stuff looked awesome um
1: yeah it was really cool you could tell that's where they put the money in, into those well someone i mean someone knew what they were doing Oh, absolutely! I mean, the story, These were the best. Like, guys. they didn't have a bunch of effects studios back then. It was basically ILM was it.
4: Yeah, I mean ILM is like probably the most famous effects studio in existence, right? And you know, so because they're so like, groundbreaking. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But like, it, it's it's funny because those parts. It's funny for a number of reasons because, first, because like the story almost takes a backseat to it because the the story doesn't hang together all that well. It's like. This thing happens, and then this thing happens, and then this thing happens, and then this thing happens. Um, But it's also funny because of like what George Lucas decided to do with like his Star Wars movies, which is, I, I never really thought about it as a big deal before someone told me that, like, what I mean is like when he redid all the special effects in the original Star Wars movies, I didn't really care about it that much. And I didn't see why it was a big deal until someone told me, like, that movie won an Oscar for those effects. And now all the work that those people did to, to win an Oscar isn't in that movie anymore. And you can't see it. He took it all out. And when you think about it that way, it's really shitty. And you kind of have to wonder like, why did he do that?
1: You know? Absolutely. And there's been a concerted effort on the part of fans to reassemble those movies in their original Film release, and I have a few of them. There's the D, I think it was like D Army, the uh, Harmy Army Despecialized, and then there's another one that's more recent that uh, they really they took pulled all from 35 millimeter prints, and it's actually uh, quite beautiful to to watch at least once to see how it was seen in the theaters, and so I'm glad for that effort, but I don't I don't know that we'll see that kind of uh, official release unfortunately but yeah that's when a good disney, point when disney decides they need another billion dollars they'll release uh, an original cut of star wars don't you think i feel like it won't be as good as the one that the fans cobbled together because it was just done with such care and love and they were able to get a hold yeah. of these prints that made that disney may not even have you know like these are these are yeah. people that yeah. like hey i have this really good print of whatever you know and uh, I, they've they've done uh, not to get too off track but they've they were able to release quickly a version of uh, return of the jedi because that had the most good prints left and then of course star wars because that's the first one so they're still working on the empire strikes back but definitely oh, yeah, worth but a look has
4: like yeah but empire has like that whole scene with the on the ice planet with the walkers and everything oh, man.
1: Yeah, it was. can take to that be, shit out. Why? Why would you do that? It was neat to be in the same room where that was filmed, and uh, I don't, I don't know if you guys have heard this or not, but w- one of the guys who animated on that was on LSD at the time when he animated those shots. Fact. Uh. Yeah, he had taken LSD and uh, was doing the walkers and the ice sequence, and uh, something worked there. Obviously, I don't remember the name of the guy, but he's come out in a documentary saying that. I was like, interesting. I wouldn't want to do that. Yikes. <laughs> but uh, it worked for him, I guess. <laughs> this was, uh, you know, <laughs> these guys came up in the 70s, so <laughs> probably uh, hit part of the 60s too. So interesting factoid there. But uh, to bring it back to Willow, uh, any other parts that stood out uh, for, for you guys that were just kind of like great moments? What about you, Jim? What, what stood up for you since you... It was your pick, and uh, you've probably seen it more and had more invested in it. What, what, what held up for you the best, or what stands out?
0: Uh, so the parts that held up for me the best was the, the Hydra monster that you guys keep talking about, the Ebersysk. I really, I mean, that scared me, you, you know, um, as a kid watching it. And uh, uh, it's a fearsome monster even now. Um, another intimidating character that still stood the test, even though he doesn't get much screen time, was General Kale.
1: Absolutely.
0: Uh, you, you know, this was the uh, Darth Vader of this movie, you know, the skull mask and everything. That mask very, is so cool. Yeah. So cool. And su- such a dominating figure. You, you, you know, the few scenes that he has, he strides in and it's like, you know, I'm going to take care of business, even if I'm in the throne room talking to you um so i really enjoyed him um Devin brought something that triggered a um kind of a memory too um so this is something that stood out the second uh the second revolution of you know watching this movie was the wizard in the village with flying the bird and the bird returns back to the village and he was like yeah yeah, never mind the bird and then when he casts the bones but he really kind of leans over and he says, Willow, do you really love this child? You know, before he gives an answer. How is he any different than Willow uh, with a uh, quote unquote stage magic, other than the fact that he had more confidence, you know, that's an excellent uh, point. Mm-hmm. So there he was set, no because d-
1: he's setting up that payoff later where Willow's like, OK, sure. I don't just have to rely on magic to make something work part of it is showmanship and that's yes. important too
0: so yeah so i i, I really enjoyed that and then uh, just to finish an earlier thought of paying um homage to um tolkien and i'm I'm gonna link this with um with robert jordan you know robert jordan his first book eye of the world he pays direct homage to tolkien he doesn't deny it you know he said in interviews but he took the trope and turned it around and made it something different. And I think that with this movie it's similar in that respect. You see enough of it to recognize, oh yes, this is this is Lord of the Rings. But there was enough Without differences. Ripping
1: it off. Yeah. It didn't feel like a yeah. cheap imitation or a ripoff, especially with, you know, ILM and uh, the uh, all the creatures and um with uh, the Henson guys on board, you know. Um, and to, to take from there, the, the thing that, that I really loved myself was how they handled the trolls and the effects with them, like, climbing under the bridge or running up and down the walls. I thought that was really fun analog effects that still worked really great. And, uh, man, did they do some, like, gross kind of stuff with all that that I don't remember and was kind of still, like, uh, really impressed with, and 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 still got a good reaction from me, like a visceral reaction, when they when like when they when Willow uh, changes one of the trolls to start the I, what's the monster's name? I love that you know the name of it,
0: Joe. Uh, the Ebers, only because I played that board game and I watched the movie so many times. Yeah, the Ebersisk.
1: That's so legit. Um, yeah, I was like, where are they going? Because I didn't remember. I was like, where are they going with this? Did he just turn into like a troll egg? Like what? Mm-hmm. And then he knocks it in the water and stuff. And that whole sequence was just fantastic. And the other part that stood out for me since uh, playing uh, D&D now so much was when Val Kilmer got his uh, armor upgrade. <laughs> he walked in and he looks up yeah. and there's like this great armor <laughs> Uh, hanging there and it's lit all beautifully it's like oh okay he just got a fat upgrade you know to his fighting ability here and then also a comedic moment is when he like ran up to the door and just like shut the door like right before they got there and was able to like put the little the lock thing down uh right in time or whatever so yeah i think especially in that that final sequence they just really paid it off in in a great way and delivered Um, story aside, you—it's at certain points it was so much fun, and it was kind of like definitely one of those like tent poles where like you're on a ride, you know. And Mm -hmm. maybe it's okay when that's working so well that there's some plot holes that we can overlook. Um, However, I think your points are still valid that like some of those parts have aged, and we're a little bit more of uh, connoisseurs as an audience when it comes to story nowadays than we were in the '80s
4: yeah and i mean warwick david davis does such a good job he's willow's such a great character he, he carries, delivered that's why i'm so surprised he gets third billing he because he's the star of the movie it's crazy
1: yeah that probably wouldn't happen nowadays either no no
4: way oh definitely not
1: yeah especially yeah no way no people would be like legit upset and with Up good in arms yeah absolutely yeah, yeah.
0: I, I think some of Should the be. other uh, the other theme, I don't think that we've talked about yet, the kind of casual racism, you know, out of the way, Peck, you know? And just, right, I had meant know, to bring it up. Them away. Yeah.
3: Yeah, one thing actually kind of related to that, I, I wrote down in my notes, was that, like, the brownies seemed to be, like, a racist depiction of, like, a race that doesn't exist. They were French. Like, right? they didn't seem like... They seemed, they seemed French. I guess that was... Yeah, the accent seemed kind of French, but like I don't know, something about it felt racist. But it was like not clear what kind of stereotypes they were like subscribing to. It was them everyone kind of hated them. everyone
4: else. <laughs> the the name Brownie seems like a oh, weird name too. To get it seems like a weird sex thing. I or something yeah, like I don't know where,
3: where that originates. It might originate from something unsavory. I'm yeah, sure. it's amazing to me. I know it's like old looking me, back. It's amazing to me how
1: readily like casual racism was acceptable in the eighties and it's not just this movie, um, not to just call out this one, but it's definitely there. But in a lot of like Lucas productions, even in like star Wars, and they even carried that forward into the prequel trilogy. Um, it's like, really? That's, that's pretty clearly like, <laughs> you know, motivated, uh, or, uh, calling, uh, calling out uh, racial stereotypes. But in this, I felt like it was kind of more okay because these weren't, uh, real races, but, I guess now that I'm saying that out loud, I mean, you know, with, uh, with little people, I mean, they basically, yeah, they just made up a derogatory term that didn't exist. Did that bother anyone else? Because I did at least take note of it at the time, like, heck, huh?
3: Yeah, with me, I mean, it, it just kind of reminded me of like the fact that uh, you know, we we play Pathfinder, a form of, of D D. And like we are as our group at least make an effort, I feel like, not to really include racism in our in our games. And like when you have races like half orcs and things like goblins and things like that, it's very easy to to create discrimination within your fantasy world for those races. But it's like, why? Like if you're creating a world that's all your own and it's fantasy, why add racism? Like why not just remove that unsavory thing from from your society that you're creating? Well, and what's
2: interesting is, is actually, I read an article about Disney films specifically, like in animated films, of course, about like uh, racial depictions and racism. And because when we often think about racism, we always think about skin tone and like visually, like in a representation of someone's race. And what we all tend to overlook is how, racism and racial stereotypes can be represented in other ways, which it can be through the voice that they use through, you know, labeling of certain people through other sort of stereotypes still being presented, even through like animals and animation. Um, So kind of to go back to what you're saying about, like, it feels like it's racist, but I can't really quite pick it. It's kind of, it kind of goes back to other Disney films that, Done the same thing where they have these racial stereotypes um, being depicted through furry, cute animals, but it's still there.
1: Yeah,
4: and now, like the, like the crows and Dumbo, I mean, that's pretty on the nose, but mm-hmm. it leaps yeah. to
1: mind.
3: Yeah.
1: And now they have that kind of like preamble warning on a lot of these, but I don't think I watched it on Disney Plus and I don't think they had that in, in this movie.
2: No, I, don't I wonder, I wonder mm-hmm. if they
1: overlooked it or if they just didn't think it fit that. That mold or whatever but they have it in a lot of a lot of their stuff a lot even things that i hadn't considered and i'm like oh yeah yeah good point yeah I mean, I mean it seems like a weird
4: include in this movie but it seems it seems within the realm of a thing that you might want to do to like flesh out a world but like why you would include this in like what is ostensibly a kid's movie i don't know
3: yeah should we grade?
1: Yeah, I think we we probably. Is there anything else anyone wanted to add before we uh we come up with our GPA for Willow? Okay. Um. So Jim Scott, it was your pick. So we're viewing it now, and after our discussion, where are you where are you putting this on? Uh. uh how are you grading it?
0: Um. Looking in the light of it's a feel good movie that still holds up, I would give it a.
1: An a minus in that respect, okay, cool. Uh, oh, I did want to call out uh, one other thing that uh, that uh, Devin wasn't here for. Um, moving forward, if we hear either the uh, Wilhelm scream or the Howie scream in films, um, uh, we'll go ahead and note that and I'll give it a, a sound cue. So there was a Wilhelm scream. In it's this two Was there I two? Counted. Okay,
3: cool. Yeah, I, I was taking notes. Yeah, was one in the battle, the final battle at the like uh, big, big war area. I think or no, not the not the final final battle, but the one with the dragon and the guy. Ga- okay, the
1: one I noticed was Val and Kilmer launching a bunch of spears at a guy, and you're saying there was also a Wil- Wilhelm.
3: Yeah, there was one in a cart chase, uh earlier on after they leave the inn that when one of the carts co- goes over and a guy falls off, there's okay. a Wilhelm Well there's I'll I'll give iron. it a two
1: Wilhelm then. So if you see, if you hear those, uh, let's call them out. Uh, that'll, that can be a kind of a running thing. Cause that comes up so much. And uh, now that you guys have heard it, you won't be able to unhear it. Those who weren't familiar with it before. So, um, for me, I'm going to give it a, a B plus. I think, uh, nostalgia plays some factor in it. I really enjoyed this when it came out. I, like I, I said, I saw it in the theaters and it was kind of part of my tapestry growing up as well. And it was enjoyable to watch again. And, um, The only reason i don't give it an a is because some of the story parts uh have either aged a little bit or i'm just a little bit more uh spry when it comes to maybe like writing or just like plot holes and stuff and and motivation and and things like that but overall i enjoyed it and it was fun to watch again cat
2: Um, I'm going to have to give it a C. I think that nostalgia definitely plays a part into this and I can definitely see, I'm sure that I've had, had I seen it as a child that I would have maybe also hold it to maybe a higher grade because of that. Um, but as a movie currently to watch for the first time in 2021, um, I think that it's a little too outdated in various ways. Um, Although I understand and I appreciate what it was when it came out and how that has held a significant part in cinematic history. Um, It was definitely, nonetheless, really entertaining. And, um, you know, I was very, very much captured and charmed by the characters throughout this movie. Um, So it's still a movie to watch that will definitely entertain you and enjoy. But um, I just, yeah, I think C is where I'm at with it.
1: I think that's valid and I think it's also valid of, of you to say that you could see where it was like kind of a stepping stone or something that was like built on top of for like newer fantasy stuff. It was like, you know, people stood on the shoulders of this film as well. Devin, how about you?
3: Um, I, I think that without ILM, without the incredible set design and, and special effects and everything, this would probably be like a D D plus for the just for the kind of loose story alone. Um, but I think that ILM then their work really, really elevates it to like, a I think a C plus for me is where I'm going to put it. Um, just, just cause those effects are so okay. amazing. And, uh, James Pepe.
4: Yeah. You get you the know, final the, word. It's hard for me, man. Yeah. You know, thinking back on it, like this is a two hour movie and it feels like a two hour movie. <laughs> um, not that I was ever like super bored at any point, but like yeah, there were just some, there were some lulls, like when they, like all of that stuff that happened in the town and the like snowy mountains, I wasn't sure why that was happening. And, um, yeah, so I don't know, but man, did the stuff in here look so great and Warwick Davis is great. I don't know. I guess
1: I'll say B minus, I guess. Mm, yeah. I'm happy to hear that. I think they just, I think a lot of this, like to your point. With what, and a lot of us are kind of agreeing about the writing. They might have done the snow sequence just because they wanted to put a toboggan sequence in, you know, and it was like, well, let's form the story around what I want to happen. And that kind of stood out to me as well. But then again, you know, with my nostalgia glasses, it elevated it and with the effects, like Devin was saying. So, uh, Devin, can you tally our GPA for Willow, 1988?
3: Yeah. That gives us a final GPA of two point eight, which puts it solidly at a B
1: minus. Cool. So you know this isn't a bad student, but maybe uh, Willa was in the bathroom smoking cigarettes in high school or whatever. <laughs> so maybe he was a, uh, took a took a couple of shop classes too or something. Uh,
0: <laughs> yeah, may- maybe some binge drinking before the big test. Right? <laughs>
1: maybe not. Maybe not studying as hard as all that. So that's cool. <laughs> But yeah, it was fun to watch again. Um, so I want to mention again that uh, we are now up on all the everywhere you can get a podcast and as well as video sites like Twitch, Periscope, um, YouTube, Facebook, etc. So if anyone is starting to watch these, um, feel free to email me at ben at Red Hen Media, and every week we will read a couple of emails about previous shows. Just a quick announcement there. And um why don't we roll for the next episode? And uh Jim, do you want to roll this time? Do you have some dice available? Um, I don't think that are. Our...
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I have dice available. Are you kidding me? Jim's got
4: dice. All every. Yes, I, I figured. Man,
0: I'm ready to play. Uh, let's just start running the game right now. Wait. Yeah, man. Roll, roll issue <laughs> dude. Shit.
1: So let me <laughs> switch um, over. To this movie. To bring up our sheet as well, so I can do this sure. right. And it-
0: and then tell me what which dice to roll. Uh, like how many selections do it's we have? Four? D3, I believe. Right? It's gonna be a D3, right? It's
1: gonna be a D three. A D three yeah, is that a, is that a thing? D6. D6. Are D threes a thing no. in real life? No, so I
4: guess roll no, a D four, and then they, if it's they they one do. that we don't have. No, you gotta right. come oh. on, man. Your dice D, math has got
1: to be better than that.
0: D six and one, D6. two, three, four, five, six. Bang bang.
1: That sounds All right, great. You okay, guys, let me bring up the one one sec.
0: Let me know when you're ready.
4: I got it in my two down, guys. I'm I'm excited.
1: Yeah. 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 This has been, can I just say, this has been a ton of fun to just discuss movies with you guys in general. And both conversations have been really fun for me.
0: Very, in- very interesting. You intellectual heavyweights make me step my game up. So I appreciate you guys.
1: Right? I'm struggling to keep up here, guys. I'm going to be honest.
0: There's our Google Sheet.
1: And let me Still give you a drum am- roll. Okay, hang on, hang on. I should have prepped for this better. Okay, let me give you a drum roll. Here comes the drum roll. Go ahead.
0: Whoop! Ah, it's sliding off my desk. I got a one. A one again, another crit
1: fill. Okay, let's see where we're at. (laughs) Okay, we're watching a movie called Horse Girl, uh, which came out in 2020, and it is now streaming on Netflix. Perfect.
0: Perfect. So that's our right. next
1: week's film that we'll be discussing. So I guess that's about it. I guess we can uh, wrap up. Uh, oh, no, wait. Uh, there's someone at the door. Who's there, Ben?
0: <laughs> Just one more thing.
1: Oh, Lieutenant Colombo says uh, we have time for just one more thing. So anything happened this week, Jim Scott, that you want to bring up or anything you want to talk about briefly?
0: Um, yeah. So I rarely bring up, a, you know, a college textbook, but this is one of the assigned readings. So I'll put it kind of in the screen. doesn't look like it shows up too well. Crazy
1: Like Us. But no, it's I read called that.
0: Crazy Like, yep, Crazy like Us, uh, The Globalization of the American Psyche. Um, it is uh, for my uh, enorm- ab- abnormal psychology, which there's better ways to phrase that. But um, it's about how the West um, exports uh, mental health issues to other cultures. And also it shows through uh, different stories um, how. um the way the west views mental health issues uh the way they categorize has had an impact on other cultures as well as the fact that a lot of western psychology tends to discount the experiences of indigenous indigenous cultures indigenous civilizations and their ways of coping with mental health issues it's a fascinating read. Um, the author is Ethan Waters. You can find this on Amazon Prime and probably a lot of other sources where books are sold. And if you're interested in this kind of thing, definitely should read it. Uh, just one chapter, for example, title just to kind of give you a um, glimpse is The Wave That Brought PDSD to Sri Lanka. So and there's a lot of different stories about that kind of So thing. is it their so.
1: contention that it has had a negative overall impact or are they kind of saying it's a mixed bag or or what?
0: Um so I've only read one of the stories in the introduction um and it was the wave that brought PTSD to uh, Sri Lanka. So from just judging from that chapter it is a mixed bag. Um, there are, uh, definitely useful things that have come about, but for the most part, they are negative impacts as far as how they affect sure. those cultures, even when, um, everybody is acting in good faith, even then, um, some of the consequences have been calling dire, out that actually. maybe we should
1: rethink, rethink the approach or something. I could see yes. that. and. Hopefully we improve on that over time. So my thing this week is, uh, well, one thing, my dog Nene's birthday is today, so that was kind of cool. Uh, she's turning four, and uh, she's a little cutie. She's not right next to me, or I'd show her. I'll have to get her next episode. But my main thing was, I've, it has to be another VR thing, because I finally got into, let me change to, uh, here we go. Uh Half Life Alex, I finally started playing that. Man, is it cool to get back into the world oh, of Half Life after such a long dry spell? Um I missed it. I missed man. the oppression. <laughs> I missed shooting the zombie yeah, things try. and the and the head crabs and the what are the things called that that hang down? I I'm at a loss for the, the name. If you if,
3: Oh man I don't know if they I don't know if they called us oh, out, yeah.
1: I don't or, know.
2: Like, but all I don't that know, stuff, they have yeah, it's all
3: there, it's, it's,
1: it's wonderful, I haven't played too much into it, I don't know where I'm at in the game, it's hard to tell, but um, being there in the virtual environment uh, immerses you in a game, in, in games like this, beyond what we could do before, and uh, it's fantastic, and I'm probably late to the game on this one as well, if you're a hardcore gamer, a lot of people have already played I know Devin, you've already played this and uh
3: yeah, you cannot get me started. I could do a whole podcast about that it's, game alone. It's fantastic. I, oh,
1: if you haven't checked it so out good. or if you're getting into VR or thinking about it, you, it, I know everyone already knows this, but I'll just add my voice to the cacophony. you got to play Half-Life Alex. It's great. Um, okay, so moving on to Cat.
2: Yeah, so I was going to originally bring up a podcast, another podcast to listen to, but I feel like this is important to bring up um, because of how recent it was. Uh, Dante Wright, he is a black man who got shot by the police. Um, he is, well, a man is, I think, a little bit too over the he's a kid, basically, he's a, he's 20 he's a years kid, old.
1: A very young man, 20 years old.
2: Yeah, um, was shot by a cop for, uh, he was pulled over originally for um, having air fresheners hanging in his rear view mirror. Um, so kind of a food for thought that, you know, Black Lives Matter is not a controversial statement at this point. Um, and it, we should, as, as media, as people who consume media and um, as someone who's going into the media field, um, it's not... The narrative should not be whether or not Black Lives Matter is is something that is controversial. That that is not how we should be addressing this. Um, And I think that we obviously need to do a lot more uh, at this point in time. We can't be where we were last year when George Floyd when George Floyd happened. Um, You know, it's it's we need having signs and and protesting. And seeing Black Lives Matter is not enough to um, actually convict these cops that are doing these things. It's going to require a lot more than that. So, uh, yeah,
1: I'll agree with you that this is one of the great fights of our time between a very split political nation. Not that this is a political podcast, but um, uh, uh, I have been on the edge of launching a political show for a long time, going back and forth uh, and may still do it. But uh, I'll say I'll that I'll be right uh, there with you. Sure, sure. Um, yeah, I yeah. I'll, we'll we can talk later. But uh, I just watched uh, with my wife. We watched the Real World uh, one reunion because I was around for when that was new, and they had a groundbreaking conversation back in 1992 about race. And it was interesting to see uh, which cast members uh, changed their minds, which ones grew, which ones came to one of the. The guys that had brought up the thing, was his name was Kevin at the time, and he was calling out this stuff in 1992, and it still is relevant today. And damn it if one of the cast members did, didn't learn a thing in 30 years, and she ended up storming out of there because of her white fragility. And, uh, and it was just sad to see that she hadn't grown. Uh, but most of the, the remaining other cast members were like, man, Kevin, I am so sorry. That we weren't, you know, on the ball with this. And you were right. And it was nice to see that more people are getting on board with that.
0: Was that the same season that had Pe- uh, Pedro Zamora?
1: No, that was or season was that a- three. Uh, this was see- the okay. original season, the original cast members with Eric mm-hmm. Nice, who hosted The Grind, who had COVID. And he couldn't actually be on there, so he appeared on the, on the TV from a hotel room. I hope he's recovering as well. I had COVID last March, and so I feel for him. It's awful. It's not something you want. It's a, uh, it's, I'm very lucky. And people who recover are very lucky. Even if we have uh, some symptoms still hanging out a year later, but uh, not to get too far off track on that either. But yeah, thank you for that cat. That was an important thing to, uh, to bring up. Uh, Devin, what do you got for us? Yeah.
3: Uh, yeah. On a, on a
1: much yeah, less serious note. Up, um,
3: right. Oh,
2: sorry. Oh, no. I oh, saw I'm sorry.
3: I'm <laughs> sorry. No, it's no, it was very important. You definitely should have addressed it. Um, I uh, I've been rewatching uh, an amazing show. It's not new by any means, but it's Parks and Recreations. It's like probably my 15th rewatch, 16th rewatch. I just like it's. Uh, I I feel so strongly this time rewatching it that like it is such a shame that Parks or that The Office has outshined it as like the greater of the two. uh uh, uh What's his name? What's the guy who wrote those two shows' name? uh Something sure, Paul sure. You're Paul out of lifeline. Something like that. <laughs> Anyway, they were both written by the same guy and uh, The Office obviously has many more accolades and is much more referenced in in our times and rewatched more. And I think that like as much as I adore The Office, and think it's an incredible show. I think Parks and Rec kicks the shit out of it. I think Parks and Rec is way better. I think from beginning to end, it's more satisfying. It's funnier. It's more heartfelt. Like the the fact that The Office begins really rough and ends really rough makes it kind of hard to sell to people. But somehow it still uh, endears uh, or endures but Parks and Rec, I think from the first episode to the last episode, absolute consistent I think quality. the consistency but, uh, anyway, with
1: Parks and Rec is definitely there, albeit, uh, I yeah. know a lot of people call out the first season as being a little rough, but a lot of uh, first seasons are, the show is still kind of, they're still still kind of finding yeah, their legs. It's,
3: it's, and I don't think the first season is terrible. Yeah, it's rough in the expected ways. Yeah, it's rough in all the expected yes, ways for exactly. the first season of a show. It's not like, it's not like problematic and like poorly written, like the first season of The Office right. right. But that's, yeah, they
1: had to crack the Michael Scott character to bring it back to the office, which is superior, exactly. but we'll talk about that later. But yeah, that's, it's definitely <laughs> Parks and Rec is, is, is worth uh, several rewatches as well. Uh, i probably do again. Um, we just, I actually did just rewatch that about six months ago, though. So, uh, James Pepe, I'll give you the final word on the just one more thing.
4: Uh, so, my sister and I recently have been watching some anime together we're just going to play anime roulette on netflix and hulu and stuff like that um i recently forced her to watch both of the vampire hunter d movies which i think are super cool you forced Um, me to watch
1: those too i think did i uh was that what you gave me on the on the dvds about a year ago oh okay that was a different oh that was a different vampire thing okay yeah yeah, which i did enjoy sorry sorry to interrupt yeah
4: um, yeah, so uh, Vampire Hunter D, the first, the f- they're very, they're two very different movies, but they're both super cool. Um, but uh, last night we were looking through Hulu and we just happened to scroll by um, Outlaw Star. And Outlaw Star is like a 90s anime, but it's sort of like a like a B tier, I guess, like it's not up there with like your cowboy bebops and your try guns and things
1: like that, which I just watched. Uh, several episodes of cowboy bebop for the first time in a long time this week too so that's interesting.
4: Oh man. Well cowboy bebop's so good. Um I mean there's a few episodes in there that are duds, but there the highs are highs and the lows aren't that low. So but anyway, um Outlaw Star is cool. Um it's got some cool uh the concept of it is is cool. It's like a sci-fi futuristic sort of sci-fi anime but it also has like magic in it, which I think is a cool sort of mashing together of things and it also has one of the most ridiculous premises the premise is that in this world spaceships um don't fight with like lasers and guns and shit they just have these big arms and they like fist fight with each other which seems like the worst <laughs> way to do like spaceship combat that seems terrible. Reminds me of that nintendo switch game which one arms arms Oh, arms. Arms. Yeah, 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 okay, yeah, yeah, um yeah. I mean, if I have a spaceship, I—I I don't know. I guess I don't know. Anyway, it just. So you saying we should watch this or
1: avoid it? Because now I'm getting mixed messages here. No,
4: I, I was going <laughs> to say like I—I I feel like I would much less rather have my ship punched by another spaceship than shot with a laser. <laughs> but I don't know. I mean, I feel like the the result in the end is the same. Although, I guess I would rather get blowed up than, like, sucked into the vacuum of space. In ancient
1: by... uh, naval battles, ramming was one of the main weapons that they used back in, yeah, back in like, yeah. the Greek times and whatnot. They were just, ramming speed, let's hit them, you know?
4: Yeah, so if so you're would for, like, a... Yeah, if you're jonesing for, like, a 90s-era anime that maybe you haven't seen, Outlaw Star. It's also I kind of am. Ass, so. Yeah, it's got a super
1: kick-ass, like, opening theme, too, so... That's important. I, I just put on uh, House Husband, which is on Netflix, and I hated the opening. And I and that that stood out to me is like a lot of them. I really love the opening, and it's something I look forward to and actually will watch. But this one was like that was so generic. But the is show the itself is pretty the, cool.
4: Is that the one about the yakuza guy who becomes yeah. a stay-at-home dad? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah it had an interesting premise. That too.
1: Yeah. 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 And it's like limited animation, but it works. I think. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's cool. So uh, I guess we should sign off and get to our uh, other uh, other game that we're that Pepe has to uh, DM. So we'll put him back on the spot in a second. But uh, Jim,
0: yeah. So you can find me in social media forthcoming. Um, and uh well and and take care. Cat.
2: Catherine Ramirez, it's been real. Catch me on Instagram at cat Ramirez with two Z's. See you all next time,
3: Mr. Devin Schwartz. I'm Devin Schwartz. You can find me at Devin Schwartz1 on Twitter and uh, game over, man. Game over. And the one and only James Beppe.
4: That game over thing kills me every time, man. I know. I love it so much. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I, sorry, I can't, I, I'm never going to be able to follow that up. <laughs> <laughs>
1: We'll have to put Devin last from now on then. Yeah, geez. No one puts baby in the corner.
4: Man, keep <laughs> yeah. your babies away from rivers. Put them in corners instead. That's right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no corners, no rivers. <laughs> Always dancing. Unless, Unless your river's you're in, in, a in a Cthulhu
0: corner. movie. Right. Then you don't want to put them in the corner. No corner,
1: no corner rivers, no Cthulhu. Got it. Okay, noted only baby
4: approved things are things you should do with your baby.
1: (laughs) That's great. Well, on that note, um, this has been another episode of I'll look at yours. If you look at mine and now that you've looked at ours, we hope to someday soon look at yours. This has been I'll look at yours. If you look at mine, be sure to catch next week's movie, Horse Girl, which is streaming on Netflix. Until then, keep on looking. Redhead!